Welcome back from uh, lunch, everyone. Um, so this afternoon's lecture is going to be uh, by me, and I will be uh, going through a paper that I wrote at the end of last year uh, called The Coordination of the Natural Social Interaction. Um, so before we... Um, go into detail, you have to start from the beginning. And I think it's worth just recapping uh, what exactly uh, Menger drew our attention to about the, uh, the nature of um, objects and the corollary about money from that observation. So Menger, Menger's... Uh, founding principle, we all know, and I've always, I always repeat it when I'm lecturing, but it's always worth remembering, is that um, value does not exist outside of your consciousness. Okay? Now, um, how you get from that statement to marginal um, utility, um, or, or, the, or the principle of marginal utility, is not, is not that difficult. Okay, Professor talked about it earlier in the first lecture. Um, each object that you uh, give value to, for whatever reason, has a uh, satiation point at which you will no longer be willing to accept the next object on the same terms that you accepted the previous object, the same object. Um, so if you have a pen, it's obviously satisfying a need to, to write. And the more pens you have, the utility at the margin declines very quickly. But there has to be an object for which the utility at the margin declines most slowly, or the slowest. There has to, has to be. Just like if you have a set of random numbers, there has to be a largest number in the set, unless they're all equal or something, and there has to be a smallest number as well. So there will be one substance which, to all intents and purposes, you will never reach your satiation point with this substance. You can keep on acquiring it, and you will accept the, the next unit of this substance on exactly the same more or less exactly the same principles as you've accepted all of the previous units. And um, you might think, okay, this is, it's, it's, not, it's not hard to disagree with that. But if you um, arrange, okay, first of all, it's, it's very hard to measure marginal utility directly. Okay, so you need a way of, 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 of measuring the extent to which a substance's marginal utility 
is constant or declining, or less declining and more declining. And the way that you do that is by looking at the stocks to flow of this object, of this substance. Naturally, if, there's a, if there is an, a substance which, you know, you, 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 which, for which the satiation point is very far away, there will naturally be, as a consequence of that, a very large amount of this substance relative to the amount that is produced annually as a consequence of that. If people keep on wanting this substance, then the ratio of the amount of this substance that exists to the amount that is produced, if it is produced at all, will necessarily be very large. So, in as much and so far as you can look at, at the stocks to flow of this particular object, that is the signature of its marginal utility. Okay? Um, and if you arrange all substances by their stocks to flow, you will see that uh, one substance in particular sticks out um, and is an order of magnitude completely different to the next substance's stocks to flow. Now, does anyone know what that substance is? Gold. Gold. Okay. So the point is that this substance has to exist, and it's gold. Why it is gold is a different question as, as a substance, but the point is it's gold. Okay. Now, money, this, this became the, uh, the unit of uh, exchange, but more importantly, uh, the unit of account as well. Okay. And you have to think, if you're going to have a, a unit of account, you have to have so much of this unit in existence relative to the amount that's produced, if it's produced at all. Because you don't want any one individual to be able to debase the unit, as it were. If there was a very small amount of, sub of this substance, and you're using it as your unit of account, if there's a, a discovery somewhere of, of more of this substance, it will add a lot at the margin to the amount of this substance that's already there. And its exchange value is likely to, to fall. So platinum is an example of, of that kind of metal. Platinum is nothing like gold. And platinum went to a sharp discount to gold, and it's still at a sharp discount to gold, sort of at the moment. So those people that say that platinum is, is um, more expensive than gold because it's rarer than gold, uh, that's, that's an incorrect that's an incorrect analysis. As far as aware, platinum was always rarer than gold as it was coming to a discount to gold. You know, so it, 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 there's something more to it than that. Okay? But the point is that with this substance, with the larger stocks to flow, you've got this sort of combination of the most useful and the most useless substance as well. You know, it sort of comes completely around. And this is the only substance that is suitable to be used in exchange and the unit of account. And that was, and that was gold and silver. But we'll just stick to gold for the moment. Okay. So the title of the essay was um, The uh, 
coordination of social interaction. And there are a lot of what, what I call social interaction, that's my synonym for economic activity. Economic activity is a sort of very dry term, I think. And it glosses over the fact that there are people behind the economy. And without the people, there won't be an economy. So we're going to address a few misconceptions. But before that, we have to, we have to go through the, uh, the basic concepts, first of all. So one of the misconceptions is that fractional reserve banking is somehow <coughs> dishonest or it's, um, it's unnatural. Um, first of all, I don't know what sort of Rothbardians strictly mean by fractional reserve banking, as in what they've defined it as. But you'll find that the sort of process of, of, of fractionality, as it were, is something that is a facet of interaction, social interaction. It's not something that can be stamped out. And it's, and it's, and it, and it's born from a very common misconception about gold, money, and credit. Okay? So here, here's an example of some social interaction for you. Uh, me saying good morning to the professor. That is a form of social interaction in the morning. Uh, that's a form of social interaction. Um, me asking to, uh, to borrow money to build a jet plane is a form of social interaction. So when I'm talking about social interaction, I'm talking about the subset of social interaction that involves money, obviously. And there are obviously some people for which their whole social interaction involves money, but um, I'm only talking about this set specifically. So another example, the farmer sending wheat to the miller, who sends flour to the baker, who makes bread for consumption, or the crude extractor selling, sending oil to the refiner, who sends on refined petroleum to the retail pump. These are all examples of social interaction. Okay? And it's interaction that is not related per se to the medium used for money. It's interaction that occurs by the very nature of our existence and it's interaction that must recur for the maintenance of our existence. Okay, should you want to exist going forward. Now, we have to talk about the, uh, the different, different Different, type of social, different types of social interaction. Okay, so I talked about um, bread, uh, the sale of bread by the baker, for example. So the sale of bread by the baker is pretty much guaranteed, I would say, as long as people still want to consume bread. But... Um, what about the, the sale of the new jet engine that I've just made? Would you say that was guaranteed? You know? No. Okay. So this is a diff, uh, an example of a differing form of social interaction. Remember, I'm talking about monetary social interaction here. Okay. 
Bread is pretty much guaranteed to be sold. It moves very quickly. It's a fast-moving good. Whereas the jet engine, there is no guarantee that I will be able to sell it at all. So these are two examples of differing forms of social interaction. Okay. So another example now. And this time we're going to be talking about frequency. So form and frequency. So social interaction has different frequencies, different time periods through which it, um, through which it occurs. An example here. So the construction of an airport usually takes a, a longer period of time than the construction of a residential home. You know? I don't think it's pretty... I don't think that's pretty controversial. So there are some forms of social interaction uh, which have long payoff periods and some forms which have shorter payoff periods. Okay? I'm talking very broadly here, not in um, technical terms. So everything should be comprehensible. So... We move from thinking about social interaction and its form and its frequency to talking about credit specifically now. And the two different types of credit that are based on the two different types of form of social interaction. Okay? Credit granted for the construction of a factory is extinguished by the sale of the produce of that factory. Whereas credit granted for the sale of fast-moving goods, like carbonated drinks or whatever, is extinguished by the sale of the drinks themselves. Now, that's an important distinction to get appreciation of. Okay? When I took credit borrowed money and incurred a debt to build my factory, I do not repay the factory by, sorry, repay the debt by selling the factory. The fact that the debt is amortized by the produce of this factory, hopefully. Whereas the credit that was granted by the uh, miller to the baker in the production of bread that was granted because the other side of that, on the other side of that credit was a fast-moving consumer good, of which there's no question that it would be sold, basically. So there's a different principle involved. Mm -hmm. the, uh, the, the term self-liquidating credit admirably brings out that Difference. So self-liquidating credit is, 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 the, uh, is the synonym for uh, the liquidation of, uh, uh, of, of the, clear, the, the social circulating capital, it is called. The social circulating capital is, is, is the form of credit that is not debt, basically. Okay, so I'll just 
summarize that. Okay. Clearing credit and um, I suppose I could call it capital as opposed to clearing for the accumulation of capital. Fast moving. The uh, term is landing, the, the dichotomy is between clearing on the one landing. hand and landing on the other. There's no landing involved in clearing. That's a very common mistake to make. So this is where one would say that a debt is incurred. But there is no debt here. Okay? When, 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 I, when I, as the baker, accept the, uh, the, 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 the wheat from the miller, and I sign the bill, that says that I've accepted the wheat. That is not an acknowledgement of a debt. Not at all. Okay. No money was actually exchanged in, the, in, the, in that transaction anyway. So We must make sure that we understand the difference between clearing and lending. And lending is for the accumulation of capital. Okay? So... We hear this expression very often in our circles, that uh, banks create money. And uh, you put money into a bank. Well, let's just briefly recap how people think that we got to our current uh, system of fractional reserve banking. So someone goes in the 17th century to deposit gold at their goldsmith to get a receipt in return. And human nature being as it is, the goldsmith realizes that not everybody wants the, uh, the gold at the same time. So he issues more uh, receipts than he has gold in his, um, in his safe. And uh, that's only a problem when it becomes a problem. And that's apparently how the current mod the, the, the modern banking system works as a as a as a sort of evolution, if you can call it that, from that state of it. <coughs> I don't actually think that ever happened in the history of banking, or if it did, it would have been, you know, so marginal as to not certainly not worth talking about again. Goldsmiths never did anything like that on the whole. They never had. What they did do, though, was um, they would use the gold um, and lend it, which they weren't allowed to do. Um, so that is um, a breach of property rights, and we'll go into that in a bit more detail. But there's a difference, although it looks the same superficially, between having 10 receipts, 10, out, 10 gold receipts for one ounce outstanding and only one ounce of gold in the vault 
but nine ounces could have been lent out, and nine ounces were, were more likely lent out. It's not a case as if it's, it's not the case that the gold was never there and is never going to be there. Okay, so bury that myth. I don't know who who originated that myth actually, but anyway, forget about it. It's not correct at all. Okay. Banks don't create money. Um, banks liquefy credit. Okay, they bring order to that which would exist anyway. Okay. So we're going to we're going to explain this. We're going to demonstrate this with an example. Very simple example. Okay. So. Um, Imagine an endeavor that's going to increase the standard of living. Uh, so my example is the construction of a warehouse for a village, an isolated village that uses gold as the medium of exchange and the unit of account. An isolated village uh, uh, to store out-of-season produce. So the construction of a warehouse to store out-of-season produce. Okay. I think it's quite easy to see why this endeavour might be productive and good for the general, the general population. It allows you to store out-of-season perishable produce, etc., etc. Now, the enterprising villager who doesn't have sufficient monetary resources to build the warehouse himself, approaches um, three, other, three other villagers to see if, if he can uh, extract the money to construct um, this warehouse. He finds, he finds three villagers who, who each lend him a third of the money required, but the villagers stipulate that the money has to be returned no later than two years from the present. And the three villagers also demand a tribute from the abstention of having the money themselves. And a figure agreeable to all was haggled and fixed. Okay, so just as an aside, there are two facets to consider in this transaction. The length of time that the three villagers were willing to give their money for and the tribute required by the villagers, paid by the enterprising villager. Okay, if the money were acquired back at any shorter period, the length of time may be insufficient for the villager to build the warehouse. Also to consider is the tribute. If the tribute required was too high, it may result in a loss too severe for the enterprising villager to handle. There is a limit to the amount he can charge for the simple task of warehousing produce. So the former the former example, the former, the former reference to time refers to temporal, temporal preferences, obviously. And the latter, um, the, 
relating to the tribute that the villager would be willing to pay is related to productivity. It's related to how productive the villager can be with that, uh, with that money. Okay? That was just an aside. Okay. So the acknowledgement... So what happens is that the villager gets the bonds. The three villagers get, get, get a bond each. Gold moves to the enterprising villager to build the warehouse. And now there are uh, three bonds. So gold is moving to the villager, and then the enterprising villager, and then you know the villager spends the proceeds. Remember, this is an isolated village. In fact, you can think of the village as planet Earth. Okay, um, and then the villager receives the gold, and he spends it building the uh, the warehouse. You know, and that goes off in in all kinds of ways you know, on its journey to build, to build a warehouse. And this is all happening, remember, in the village. So we can appreciate that the gold is moving here, you know. It's all about the circulation of the gold. Has the total amount of the gold in the village changed after this transaction? No. Okay, it hasn't changed. But the acknowledgement of the debt by the enterprising villager to the three other villagers creates the first form of higher order money. It's a trust between all parties concerned that debts will be honoured. Credence is given to the relationship. And that credence is represented in the form of these three chits, these bonds. The chit doesn't have value in and of itself. It's important to sort of appreciate that, I think. It only has value in as much and so far as people are honourable, are honourable in their obligations to one another. This is just representing that honour will, will eventually come to the front if it's not there already. Okay, but... For the period that these bonds exist... They exist at the same time as the gold in the village, okay? Um, and they would be, let's say, here. Actually, they would be here. Bonds, forget about th this for the moment. You've got the gold here and the, uh, the three bonds. Is there anything um, is there anything wrong in this, or is there anything 
Is there anything that's um, fraudulent in this? No. 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 There's not, not at all. Okay. But the point is that this bond, this bond is what we call higher order money. Okay. And you can have, um, this is just an example of one, one form of social interaction here. There will be hundreds of different chits okay, that represent social interaction of some form or another. Okay, repre representing the movement of gold from subjective preferences. Why ever they want to do it is not actually relevant. But the point is, they're doing it. Okay? And you can rank all of the bonds by their frequency. Okay? By how quickly they move, how quickly they liquidate. Okay, that's why I was talking about the fre frequency of social interaction. So, you have the uh, villagers' bonds here. You might have some, you know, more bonds representing representing um, enterprises which have a longer payoff profile. Um, and you have all the, uh, the the facets of frequency in between, going from bonds, bonds, very short-term bonds, to bills which is like a membrane around the gold itself. Okay? So, this would move, let's say, you, you have to imagine these rotating, almost. And the higher up you go, the more slowly the underlying gold will be uh, returned to the person that lent it. So is that all clear? Is that all clear? You will have, you will ha in this village, you will have the gold which does not change. The amount of gold 